0: No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie, come on, everybody, boogie, bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie, come on, everybody, boogie, bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie, come on, everybody, boogie, bumper tonight.
1: Chickens are coming home to roost. Ladies and gentlemen. Winning TV with a diamond straight out of the gate. Wake up, wake up! <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Winning TV, dlife.tv/slash TV. Oh boy, have I got some stuff for you tonight! Thank you for joining us. It is the Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. If you could please share the show out. If you don't want to, that's fine. I have to completely understand. I wouldn't either. As always, tonight's recommended drink, cheap box wine. Tonight's recommended snack, Bland brand, No Name Crackers. This is the official wine and crackers broadcast right here on Live on a Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and goyles. If you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head to patreon.com slash Bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And, of course... If you would like to complain about just about whatever your little heart desires, then you can do so by following me on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Monday night. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, it's going to be one of those shows. (laughs) Oh, man, I've had some fun over the last 24 hours or so. And by fun... I mean uh, confronting conversations with a whole bunch of people who told me point blank. They reassured me that it would never, ever, ever, ever happen. It won't happen. It cannot happen. Stop being a conspiracy theorist. You're making too much of this. Uh, And like I said, the chickens are coming home to roost, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I don't know where to start with what I've got for you tonight. I did have a, a really fun show planned, believe it or not. I had a whole bunch of like sort of inconsequential stuff because I thought, you know what? We've been doing way too serious for too long. Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, Goofy Boots. Uh, uh, Thank you for the sub. Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Because we've been doing serious for too long and I wanted to kind of keep it light. But then, you know, over the course of the last 12 hours, I've decided to, you know, throw all that out and bring to you instead something which is probably going to give you nightmares. For the foreseeable future. So I don't know exactly where to start tonight. So how about we start with the latest, shall we? Let's start with the breaking news. Thank you for joining us. Uh, If you'd like to leave a tip during tonight's proceedings, by the way, the preferred method is, of course, dlive.tv slash boogie bumper. Or you can head to streamlabs.com slash boogie bumper, ladies and gentlemen. Let's start here, shall we? Like I said, the chickens coming home to roost. (coughs) Pardon me. Digital health passport trials underway to aid the reopening of borders. Thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Who did you steal the diamond from, Gypsy, says. Good evening, boogers. Well, good evening to you too. Uh, This news comes to us direct from the UK, ladies and gentlemen. A new digital health passport is to be piloted by a small number of passengers flying from the UK to the US for the first time next week under plans for a, quote, global framework for COVID safe air travel. Ladies and gentlemen, remember they told us it'll never happen here. And unfortunately, once again on this program, once again on this program, Something that we were talking about months ago, four months, has yet again come to fruition. Where we outlined, word for word, verbatim, what was likely to happen. That being the ways in which you will be railroaded into voluntarily taking (laughs) the mandatory vaccine. Like, they won't have to make it mandatory. And we specifically said on this program, it will become a case of, hey, you don't have to get the vaccine, but if you want to travel, if you want to get on a plane, if you want to catch public transport, then I'm afraid you'll have to take the vaccine. So now it just becomes a question of infrastructure. How do we implement it? Well, I've got good news, ladies and gentlemen. The movers and shakers around the world have come up with a way and they are rolling that out right now. The Common Pass system, backed by the World Economic Forum, and don't worry, we're going to go back to go forward here. We're going to go over this. We're going to, I'm going to show you the Common Pass system. I'm going to show you the World Economic Forum. Is designed to create a common international standard for passengers to demonstrate they do not have the coronavirus, ladies and gentlemen, unclean. Ye shall not travel. However... Critics of similar schemes point to concerns. It's always the same line, isn't it? (laughs) It's always presented the same way. This is for your protection. This is something you really need. Of course, there are some fringe people out there who have some concerns, ladies and gentlemen. However... Critics of similar schemes point to concerns over the sensitivity and specificity of the tests in various countries amid fears over greater monitoring of people's movements, ladies and gentlemen. Paul Meyer, the CEO at the Commons Project, which was given startup funding by the Rockefeller Foundation. Just a coincidence, I'm sure. Just a coincidence. Hey, this money's got to come from somewhere, right? Get this. Because you might be thinking that this is new, right? You might be thinking that this is some kind of new idea, that this has only come up because of coronavirus. Hey, we need to look for solutions to be able to um, ensure that people can move around the world safely without the risk of spreading the coronavirus. You might be one of these people. And I pity you. I feel sorry for you. Paul Meyer. The CEO at the Commons Project, which was given startup funding by the Rockefeller Foundation, ladies and gentlemen, two years ago. Two years ago. Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think the coronavirus was around two years ago. Why would you need a solution for a problem that doesn't exist yet? Very strange, isn't it? <coughs> two years ago, and created the Digital Health Pass, said countries that have closed borders and imposed quarantines are looking for ways to, quote, thoughtfully reopen their borders. Thoughtfully. It's hard to do that, he told The Guardian. It requires being able to assess the health of incoming travellers. Hopefully we'll soon start to see some vaccines come to the market, but there is not going to be just one vaccine. You're going to have to take multiple vaccines. You know, the great irony of this is, for me, um, in the case of illegal immigration, it's actually bigoted and xenophobic and racist and fear-mongering and hateful and white supremacist to suggest that people coming into your country need to be checked for infectious diseases, am I right? You know, you're not allowed to check uh, illegal immigrants for infectious diseases because you're trying to perpetuate a nasty stereotype that suggests that immigrants are somehow unclean or unhealthy. But you, the citizens of the Western world, you need to be vaccinated and have digital evidence of your vaccination before we allow you to leave. Isn't it cute? Isn't it cute? He continues, Some countries are probably going to say, OK, I want to see documentation, you've gotten one of these vaccines, but not one of those vaccines. Pointing to existing requirements in a number of countries, notably paper-based evidence of a yellow fever vaccination, Meyer said similar proof held digitally for coronavirus could soon be required to travel, quote, for the foreseeable future he added this is about risk mitigation there is no perfectly safe solution this is about providing information that can help countries reduce the risk of it spreading just on risk mitigation this is a thought that i had you know over the last 24 hours when i was thinking about this show tonight and how i'm going to present this stuff um it's it, 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 it we knew that it would start with travel right we we explained that on this program months ago that you would be given a proposition, a false choice, a false dichotomy, where you would be presented with an option. Hey, we aren't going to mandate—we aren't going to make van- uh, vaccines mandatory. That would be wrong. We aren't going to do that. However, if you want to travel, I'm afraid you're going to have to be vaccinated. Now, it's not—it <laughs> doesn't take much imagination, does it, to see that it probably won't end there. Right, Because here's the way I see... Here's a possible future I see coming down the line. And, you know, without patting myself on the back too much, we do have a pretty good track record of getting these things right. Just being open to considering that, no, everything is not going perfectly well. So here's a possible future scenario for you. The pilot program rolled out for air travel a digital vaccination certificate. Uh, You can only travel if you are immune and have received the vaccine. That will be rolled out and that will be heralded as a wonderful success. It will be sold to you as a way of getting back to normal. Even though the normal that you are getting back to is not the normal that you were accustomed to before COVID-19. And bureaucrats and politicians and the media and the think tanks... And the unelected bureaucratic multinational bodies and corporations, ladies and, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, will hail this as a tremendous success. And it will be so successful that they'll say, hey, why don't we roll this out in other parts of our society as well? Why are we only stopping at air travel? You know, because now that we've got a handle on the international spread of coronavirus, now it's time to stop the spread within countries. And so similar programs will be rolled out on public transport, trains and buses, ladies and gentlemen. In many cases, the, the buses and the trains, uh, wherever you live, have probably already switched away from paper tickets anyway. They probably already have digital tickets. So it won't be very difficult to integrate that into a digital passport system. So then you won't be able to catch the bus or the train without first getting the vaccine, because we need to control the spread. We need to protect people. And if you want to get back to normal, ladies and gentlemen, you best get off and get the vaccine and get the evidence attached to your digital passport. May I see your papers will be replaced by, may I, May can you please scan your app here? Can you please scan this QR code with your phone? That will be the new, can I see your papers? Not, not after a little while of that, Again, this will be heralded as a wonderful success. Wow, we've really clamped oh, down. Look at me. Hello. Rambling again.
2: Hey Victor, here I miss the days when mandatory vaccinations was still a horror movie thing.
1: <laughs> Thank you Victor. I'll, I'll play that in just a moment. Thank you for the donation, sir. Thank you for the clip. I'll play the clip in just a minute. Uh so that will be heralded as a tremendous success as well. The planes uh, the trains and the automobiles. And then they'll say, well, we, we've definitely contained coronavirus. We've stopped it from spreading internationally. We've stopped it from spreading within borders. How do we stop community spreading, ladies and gentlemen? Because it's all well and good to stop people getting on the buses and the trains and the planes unless they've had the vaccine. But people are still out there walking around. They're still driving their own personal cars and going to social centres like workplaces restaurants bars their places of employment ladies and gentlemen how are we going to stop that i know what if we have some kind of digital scanner out the front of all of these establishments where you have to scan your app your digital passport that you would use to get on a bus hey we're already using it to get on the bus and it's working tremendously well why don't we have that kind of a setup out the front of your favorite restaurant Out of the favorite, you know, out of the supermarket at your place of employment. Because now that we've cracked down on the international spread and the intra national spread, now it's time to crack down on the community spread because it's just been working so well. And then without blinking, without much, you know, fighting, without, you know, without much debate, we will go from what we have now to a society that you have to scan your evidence of vaccination in order to travel internationally, in order to catch the bus, in order to catch the train, in order to walk into a restaurant, in order to get a job, ladies and gentlemen. Now, of course, there's going to be people who say it'll never happen here. Don't be ridiculous. It's a conspiracy theory. But here's what I've come to learn about such people. As I present to you this article today, digital health passport trials underway to aid the reopening of borders. What I've come to learn about these people is they fall into a very familiar pattern of behaviour, and it's this. They will tell you that you are wrong right up until they're proven uh, you are proven correct. They will tell you that it's not going to happen right up until it happens. And then when it does happen, they will forget that they told you that it was never going to happen. And they will instead begin to argue that it's a good thing and it should have happened a long time ago. For whatever the issue is, it is the exact same playbook. They'll say, it'll never happen. Don't be a conspiracy theorist. You're being ridiculous. And then it happens and they say, well, it's actually a really good idea. Why don't you go along with it? And then you'll say, well, this is going to lead into the next thing the next form of control, the next crackdown on individual freedoms, and they'll start the whole routine again. And they'll start saying, no, it'll never happen. Don't be ridiculous until that thing happens. And then they'll say, well, it's actually a good thing. Why don't you just get on board with it? They will say that it won't happen right up until it happens. And then they'll pretend like they wanted it all along. This is the pattern that I've noticed after a few years of this. So let's see what Victor Von Schroom sent us, ladies and gentlemen. It's always good, thank you for joining us Victor.
3: No, 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 hey, no, oh, what do do? No. no! What the fuck are you doing?
2: No.
3: What are you
4: no. doing? No, 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 no! No, no, no! Shit! Ah! Oh,
2: God. <suspense noise> oh,
1: He's trying to protect everybody.
5: In your mind.
1: That's one way of getting people to take the mandatory vaccine. <laughs> I don't know if that classes. I don't know if that's classed as voluntary. <laughs> but that's one way of getting around it. Thank you so much, Victor. Carrying on with our article here. He added, this is about, oh, I I lost my point. I lost my train of thought. Risk mitigation. So consider the things that I just laid out for you. And you might say, well, my business would never force me to get the coronavirus vaccine, right? Like, my company's not going to make me do that. My company is pro-freedom. My company is pro-liberty. They would never, ever, ever get their employees to do that. And that might be a crutch that you can lean on that helps you sleep at night for the time being. But I've got two words for you, ladies and gentlemen, insurance premiums. Here's what I see happening in the future. The restriction on air travel, the restriction on public transport, the restriction on access to you know, public spaces such as restaurants, supermarkets, places of employment, And the last thing that you're going to rest your head on the pillow tonight and think that it'll never happen will be, my boss will never force me to take a vaccine. Well, what they may do is use the insurance companies. All businesses have to pay insurance and they will say to the uh, business, the insurance companies will say to the businesses, look, if you don't ensure that everybody who works for you is vaccinated with the coronavirus vaccine, then I'm afraid we're going to have to raise your insurance premiums, I don't know, 200%. I'm sorry, but we are going to have to lift your insurance payments tenfold unless you can demonstrate that you have done everything that you possibly can to vaccinate your workforce against coronavirus. And that freedom-loving, individual, liberty, uh, individual liberty-loving employer that you rely on so much to pay for your food, to pay for your kid's college, to pay your rent, that liberty-loving, freedom-loving boss that you have, you watch. He will go from that to <laughs> globalist shill within seconds because if the choice comes down to protecting your rights or going bankrupt I'll give you I'll give you a 50 50 shot which one do you think the business owner is going to take should he go broke to protect you should he be forced out of business because Ring you don't want to take the vaccine and get your cheese man thank you for the sub lady of diamonds so I can see it happening. The insurance companies will lean on the businesses and say, you need to vaccinate your employees. Otherwise, we are going to have to charge you 10 times as much. And then you watch the companies will start rolling out the programs to keep you safe, to protect you, ladies and gentlemen. So be ready for that. Risk mitigation. The article continues, the trial will apply for passengers flying from Heathrow to Newark, US, on a United Airlines flight on Wednesday. Tests from the private testing company Prenetics will be administered by the travel and medical services firm Collinson. Note that these are all private businesses here. Right? This is another thing that people are going to have to get used to. This is something that was laid out by the World Economic Forum six months ago when they talked about something called the Great Reset. I have videos here ready to go. That the solution to the pandemic cannot solely be a government exercise. What has to take place is these think tanks and these multinational unelected bureaucratic bodies need to combine business with government in order to ensure workable solutions that are recommended for all stakeholders, in usual management PR bureaucratic speak. Governments using private businesses, ladies and gentlemen, to roll out these quote-unquote solutions. So the the testing company Prometics will be administered. The, The test was made by the company Prometics. It will be administered by a services firm called Collinson, in a COVID-19 testing facility set up with Swissport, another company. It follows a pilot by Cathay Pacific on flights between Hong Kong and Singapore, ladies and gentlemen. However, the test used generally in the UK is not a uh, test of infectiousness, experts have said, as it does not distinguish between those who have the virus and are infectious and those who no longer have the infection. So, let me move on from that to this, ladies and gentlemen, all the way down. So that's the UK covered. Now, let me bring you all the way down here to little old Australia and this video, which came out yesterday.
0: First use case that will be underway and we hope to have completed by this time next year is to digitize the incoming passenger card. So at the moment, everybody who arrives into Australia, be you a foreigner or an Aussie, uh, you would complete this card and it has your contact information, your details, as well as some of the biosecurity information. Um, that obviously is sometimes difficult to read. It takes time to manually process this. and
1: <laughs> It's always for your convenience, isn't it?
0: <laughs>
1: time after time after time. You know, the reason that we're rolling out uh, this digital passport with the vaccine, you know, check associated with it, it's not because uh, we're interested in Increasing levels of control. It's not because we're interested in, you know, restricting people's movements. It's because filling out one of these cards is just so damn inconvenient. <laughs> like, why are you fumbling for coins when you have a heavy bag? It, <clears throat> it it goes right back to the video we played months ago of the guy with the China working for the Chinese government who said that they are bringing in facial recognition technology in train stations in China. When you purchase a ticket because, not, not for surveillance purposes, but because sometimes people have heavy bags and it's difficult for them to take a ticket out of their pocket. I'm, I'm not lying. <laughs> they really do think you are this stupid. <laughs> so here we have the wonderful, the, the, the magical digital passport because filling out one of these cards, you know, it's hard to read. Sometimes you can't get the pen to work, you know. Uh, Do we have a pen? Can I have a pen? Does anybody have a pen? You know know what a hassle that is every time you travel into Australia? Having to fill out one of these cards. Wouldn't it be so much better? Wouldn't it be so much more convenient if we didn't have to fill out these cards at all? What if we just had a digital version? Sounds fantastic. See, we care for you. We're trying to make things as easy on
0: you as we possibly can. In the future, when we need to be able to contact trace people, Uh um, we of course would like that information to be able to get to health authorities uh, immediately, rather than having to go through the process of entering the data and across to them.
1: (laughs) We want your medical records being available to the health authorities as soon as possible. We want your health status on a government-run database so any bureaucrat working with with the clearance to do so can access your private medical information with the click of a button. That's what we want. It's at this time, ladies and gentlemen, that I'd like to remind you of some of the heat that I caught uh, after reviewing a Donald Trump press conference about six months ago. And in that press conference, Donald Trump was talking about how Google is coming up with this wonderful idea, talking about contact tracing and the like. Uh, What he failed to mention during that press conference was that Google is, in fact, trying to move into the medical information marketplace. This is Google's, you know, kind of final frontier. And at the time, Google was running a pilot program in California, where they were offering free coronavirus tests. Yay. Nothing bad can, nothing bad will ever come when a corporation offers you something for free, right? So they were offering free coronavirus uh, tests in California in exchange for you signing a waiver saying that they have access to uh, share your personal medical information with the government. Google is MAGA. You got Microsoft, you got Apple, you got Google and you got Amazon. It looks like maga to me. Google is maga.
0: So from this time next year, our expectation is that we'll no longer need this incoming pass. <laughs> look at the look
1: at the dramatic, you know, tearing of the card. Oh, we no longer need this archaic ancient ancient idea. We know not we know not we no longer need to go through with this pain and torture of having to fill out a card manually. We're not doing that anymore. Fuck it. <laughs> We're moving with the times. We're getting digital up in this bitch.
0: Passenger card because we'll have a fully digital incoming Yay! passenger card and what's more, by having a digital product, in the future, should there be a globally available vaccine, we'll be able to attach a authentic vaccination certificate to the incoming passenger card, so that we will know if a person has indeed had that vaccination or not.
1: <clears throat> Want to hear it one more time? Want me to play it again? Just, just in case you're a little slow. By the way, before you leave tonight, if you are one of the many, many, many people who have reached out to me privately and said that I'm completely wrong, they said that they're never going to do it, they said that there's not going to be any kind of restriction, they're not going to force people to get vaccines, yada, yada, yada. If you're one of these people, just before you leave tonight, if you would, there is a sorry book just near the front door. Now, just before you leave on your way out, if you could be so kind to sign the sorry book, The Boogie Bumper Sorry Book. Sorry, you were right. Uh, Just sign that on your way out. That would be wonderful. Because I like to keep a record of all of the people who hope against hope. Who convince themselves that things aren't happening when they are. And dedicate themselves to arguing until they are blue in the face. That something is not possible when all of the available signs we have point to
0: the exact opposite. Let's play it one more time. Incoming passenger card, because we'll have a fully digital incoming passenger card. And what's more, by having a digital product, in the future, should there be a globally available vaccine, we'll be able to attach a authentic vaccination certificate to wow. the incoming passenger card so that we will know if a person has indeed had that vaccination or not. There you go.
1: It'll never happen here. So, like I alluded to, ladies and gentlemen, in the beginning, we know that the funding for this particular exercise was given by the Rockefeller Foundation around two years ago, long before the coronavirus was ever a thing. So where did these conversations really start to pick up steam? I've gone back into the Wayback Machine. I've gone back into my time machine to go back into the past to bring you a few little items you may be interested in. Ladies and gentlemen, the first one here from April 6th, 2020. Have a look at this. So what's April, what's that, about six months ago? Yeah, about six months ago, okay. You're only hearing about the digital passport now. Well, not you, because I know the listeners to this, you know, program have been on top of this for a long time because you fucking listen to this program. So, (laughs) but other people out there who are not paying attention to this stuff or who don't care or just tell themselves every single night before they go to sleep that it could never, ever possibly happen here. They have no idea how long this has been going on. To them, this is a a wonderful idea that benevolent leaders and benevolent rich people are rolling out to ensure that you can be protected when you go on holidays. That's the way they think about it. That's about as far as it gets. So six months ago, this was the kind of material being passed around the global corporate news entities, ladies and gentlemen. Have a look at this six months ago.
2: The coronavirus has transformed the world, where empty streets and shuttered businesses are the norm, and billions are under lockdown. But researchers around the world are developing tests and conducting clinical studies to explore if people who have been infected and cured are no longer at risk. The aim is to eventually allow people to go back to normal life.
5: The idea behind this is that if people get immune through natural infection, they would have a similar situation to someone having received a vaccination. And we could use uh, antibody tests as soon as proper antibody tests become available. We could use antibody tests to document that immunity exists
2: Britain, which is struggling to speed up testing, has floated the idea of a so-called immunity passport.
1: Six months ago. Six months ago, the signs were there. And we weren't listening, we weren't paying attention, we didn't care. Britain, Britain struggling with the lockdowns is talking about floating idea for a digital health passport. Buckeye girl in the chat, can we all just stop talking about COVID? Sure. Uh, That's not going to make things like government regulations go away. You can stop talking about COVID if you like. What we're talking about here is how to voluntarily get people to take something that they would otherwise not take. So if you want to trade out COVID for fairy bread or vanilla ice cream, whatever suits you, that's fine. Oh, look at me. I'm rambling again. Victor in the chat.
2: Fun story, boogie. I bought a home in Germany. Currently am not allowed to move in without being tested and quarantining myself. Yep. I can only move my stuff with a corona test no older than 48 hours due to the new lockdown.
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, it's everywhere, it's everywhere. And six months ago, the corporate news, thank you for the donation, Victor. And six months ago, the corporate news was rolling out, ladies and gentlemen, the talking points, getting you ready, prepping you, programming you for the idea, hey, this is coming and it's for your own benefit.
2: A certificate for those who've recovered and declared immune to the virus. In the Veneto region of Italy, infected doctors and nurses are being tested to see if they've developed resistance to the virus, so they can return to work. And millions more Italians will be tested for natural antibodies. But it's unclear just how reliable and effective the tests are.
1: We're so... uh... okay. so six months ago they were already talking about this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is from August 25 from the world economic forum now the world economic forum are the ones who are most on board with this idea of having a digital passport having to prove every single time that you've uh, you want to travel uh, internationally that you've received the coronavirus vaccine this is their baby this is the material that they were putting out back in august of this year Uh, it says on the screen. Common Pass is a framework to link health data and COVID-19 tests with travel. Common Pass
4: is a platform that lets people safely and securely collect their health information, <laughs> whether it is a negative COVID test result.
1: Oh, it's safe and secure. Of course it is. <laughs> uh This is going to sound like a revelation to some people. Do you know what's even more safe and secure when it comes to sharing your private health information? Not sharing it. (laughs) That's even more secure. Wouldn't you agree? You know, even more secure than putting my private information on a digital cloud, being able to be accessed by governments and health bureaucracies is not putting that information on the cloud in the first place. That's so much safer and so much more secure. It's amazing.
4: Or eventually a record of a COVID vaccination.
1: Eventually a record of a COVID vaccination, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Kitty B nails it in the chat. Months later, they will find out it was never safe and secure, like they do with literally every other fucking thing that they do.
4: (laughs) manage that information, control it themselves. Control it And yourself. then be able to let that information be used to demonstrate that they have had a negative test or they have been vaccinated so they can get on an airplane or travel to another country.
1: August this year. <clears throat> August this year. We are rolling out technology that will safely and securely allowed private citizens to upload their personal medical data so they can be allowed to travel to another country. And it doesn't even say just to another country. So they can get on an airplane or travel to another country. Because it'll start with international travel, right? Well, we can't let you get on this plane without proving that you've been vaccinated. Uh, because of, you know, international travel restrictions. And you'll say, that's fine. I'll just take my holiday uh, on the other side of the country. And then they'll say, well, it's actually for domestic flights as well. Because we've got to stop the spread from one state to another. You wouldn't want people on the other side of the country getting infected, would you? What, don't you care about the old people? It's good, isn't it?
4: For countries it gives them the ability to actually know confidently that this person who wants to come visit them can actually safely be admitted into their country without risk of exposing other people in the country to to COVID.
1: (laughs) It's all about convenience. It's all about safety and convenience. It's all about something that we've discussed on this show ad nauseum for a long time, something called the protection meme, ladies and gentlemen. And the protection meme springs out of this idea in politics whereby people are far Ring more the likely... Bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the gifted sub, Iceman. People are far more likely to go along with something if they think it's going to protect them. How do we, how do we get people to go along with an idea that they would otherwise not be in favour of? Well, we need to sell it to them as something that they absolut- absolutely positively need in order to keep them safe. The most common use of the protection meme is in the way of laws. And, you know, I've explained this before, but it's worth doing it again for new listeners. Because politicians will come out and say, we need to pass this law in order to protect you from X, right? This law is designed to protect people from X, Y, Z. But laws don't protect you from things. They never have protected you from things. And you're going to be in a chat now and you're going to be listening to this going but but boogie of course they do laws protect me from stuff no 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 they don't Here's the evidence If laws protected you from things there would be no drink driving There would be no murder There would be no assault There would be no credit card fraud There would be no break and enter There would be no armed robberies There would be no rape All of these things are against the law all of them still exist. Laws don't protect you from anything. Laws turn actions into criminal actions. That's what they, that's what they do. Laws say to a society, here is a list of behaviours which we deem unacceptable. They don't protect you from the behaviours. They prosecute those who offend. They turn actions into criminal actions. That's the protection meme. That we can pass laws to say that we're going to protect you from stuff and you'll go along with it because you think you're being protected when in reality you're not being protected at all. You're just signing away another freedom. You're just signing away a, you're saying to the government, this particular action here, we don't, we deem it now to be a criminal offence. Have at it. That's what laws do. They don't protect you from shit. So now we stand here on the precipice of a society into the future where you will literally be banned from traveling unless you take a vaccine. Whether you're anti-vax or not anti-vax, I don't particularly care. I'm not I'm not really an anti-vax person per se. I'm not. What I am anti, though, is people being denied access to a marketplace, people having restricted freedom because they are sceptical of the idea that the government jabbing a needle into their arm is for their own benefit. That's what I'm against. Especially when, uh, especially when the thing that is in that syringe is, is, has been boasted about by these governments as being rushed through at record speed. I think everybody has a right to be sceptical about that. The app lets you upload your test results to give you a certification prior to boarding, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. So that was from August. Now, who's behind this common pastor? So again, this is a private company. Who's behind this? Which international unelected bureaucratic body is behind all of this stuff? Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the World Economic Forum. This is the head of the World Economic Forum giving an interview on CNBC, the business channel, back in July of this year. Again, none of this is just new. This isn't just all recent stuff. This stuff has been in the pipeline for a long time. The original funding for this app was two years ago. From the Rockefeller Foundation. Keeping you safe. So here's an interview that the head of the World Economic Forum gave on CNBC all the way back in July of this year. Have a look. I don't
5: know how it will play out in uh, November, but November. what we know, we
1: are now we we are now what days away from November, ladies and gentlemen? Two weeks away from November. Okay, so back in July, he was talking about what's going to happen in November of this year. Two weeks from now, have a listen.
5: Or is that we will end up with many more unemployed and uh, particularly also people in the grey economy which are not counted for, uh, who lose their jobs. So we will see definitely a lot of anger uh, already now, but probably increase by the end of the year, uh, because this crisis will be with us until we really have found a remedy.
1: This crisis will be with us until we have found a remedy. And one of the remedies is telling people that they no longer have a right to free movement unless they first receive a vaccine.
5: So um, we have to prepare for a more angry world.
1: We have to prepare for a more angry world. Listen to this. They, They knew what was coming. None of this is by chance. None of this is, like, not planned for. There are people who dedicate their lives to predictive psychology, predictive behavioral psychology, right? They know how people will react when they are introduced to certain stimuli. And with this understanding, with this knowledge, especially when you consider things like metadata collection and whatnot, they are able to track global trends of ideas and opinions and what people want months before you know. They know what you're going to do before you know what you're going to do, in other words. So back in July, they were already talking about, because again, this had been funded already by, for 18 months up until this point. They knew that the rollout of the digital passport uh, requiring evidence of a vaccination in order to travel was just around the corner and they knew that around November was about the time that it was about to be rolled out, and they knew that by November people would be angrier. And if people are angrier, what does that mean? If people are unemployed and frustrated and angry and upset about all the restrictions on their freedom, about losing their job, out of not being allowed to travel, out of being uh, put place under house arrest, do you think they're going to be more or less willing to try some kind of revolutionary cure idea. What do you think? After nine months of being told you can't go outside, you have to stand on the line, you can't go to work, you can't get paid, you, you, you may lose your home, you're probably going to lose your job, you're not allowed to travel, if you go outside you'll be arrested. After nine months of this, do you think the population is more or less primed to just accept a solution that's handed to them? What do you think? And here we have the head of the World Economic Forum all the way back in July outlining that we know that people are going to be really angry by November and you're not going to be allowed to travel until we come up with a way to make to allow you to do it
5: and uh, how to prepare Uh, it means to take the necessary action to create a fairer world Um, to see that uh, we provide everybody with uh, decent access to the health system
1: (laughs) we need to provide a fairer world because you might think that this is all just an isolated thing right you may think that this is an isolated occurrence with no fallout. This this is just about protecting people from the virus. Well, you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. This is all tied in with economic redistribution as well. The story gets even better. Have a look at this short clip from Global News from May 2020. Have a listen to this and then I'll show you why.
6: A passport is a pretty straightforward
1: document. So this is from May Again, an, another piece of material from months and months and months ago, proving that this is not new.
6: And depending on what information pops up on screen when it's scanned, it allows you to travel in and out of various countries. But- I, mean,
1: I mean, if you're still a skeptic at this point, my, my, my question would be, okay, why do you think the World Economic Forum is so interested in coronavirus then? If it's nothing to do with economics, why is the World Economic Forum the one driving this? Hmm? Coincident? Just out of the goodness of their fucking hearts? Is that what you think? Because I've got a Golden Gate Bridge to sell you.
6: But as the coronavirus pandemic continues, there's discussion surrounding a different kind of document. It's being coined an immunity passport <laughs> in parts of Europe. Immunity passports are being considered for people who are-
1: <laughs> Voice of Reason with the diamond. You will all take the vaccine and, and you will like it. Are ...believed to be immune to the coronavirus.
6: While in China, some cities have already implemented QR codes that generate a color in order for officials to enable how freely An individual may move around outdoors.
1: It always amuses me when people say things like, it'll never happen here. You've got no idea what you're talking about. We first started covering on this program how China does this back in March, at least probably February. We showed the clips. We showed the clips of people trying to get into their workplace, right, and they would have to scan their phone. Remember, if it comes up green, they're allowed to go in. If it comes up red, they have to isolate green and red, you know, this this is your passport to having freedom. We've since then watched Western governments copy exactly what China has done just on a slower timeline. China did the lockdowns. China did the travel bans. China placed everybody under house arrest. China did mandatory testing. China did contact tracing. China rolled out the app Uh, to, you know, the the vaccination passport, if you want to call it that, the immunity passport. They've already done this. And Western politicians the world over are doing everything they can to pretend like they've come up with some kind of new idea. Not one of them has ever told you that this started in China. Not one. Some of them say it started in Singapore because we can't ever we can't ever tell our populations that we're actually just taking chinese ideas and repurposing them retooling them for a western audience this is our future
6: in canada some government officials are considering a contact tracing app however the world health organization wrote
1: now this is
6: not enough evidence to prove someone who has recovered from COVID-19, is protected from a second infection.
1: Now, this is wonderful, because what you're about to see here is this news item, this news report, actually be sceptical of the program. But for a particular reason, they're going to say that it's not fair to minorities and disadvantaged people, right? I need This, this is so important. You need to bake this into the context that I'm giving you. They're going to say, we don't like this idea because people who don't have access to the vaccine, people who are poorer, people of lower socioeconomic backgrounds, they're going to be treated worse if we mandate that everybody who travels needs to have uh, a coronavirus vaccine, right?
6: In fact, the WHO says immunity passports or risk-free certificates could actually lead to a continued transmission of the coronavirus. Okay, keep listening. But- That's not the only concern. What you have here ultimately is a proposal to use technology to divide society between the haves and the have-nots. But what's happening is it's actually going to layer on top of economics because if it's your past to get back out into the world to be
7: able to work.
1: Do you see what's happening here? Do you understand now why the World Economic Forum is interested in this? The World Economic Forum, who talks about something called the Great Global Reset. The World Economic Forum that works with government and business in order to link the two together. In order to retool and repurpose for what they call the Fourth Industrial Revolution. You can look all of this up if you want. The fourth industrial revolution. Do you see what's happening? Do you see why this coronavirus scheme of, you know, tracking and big data and, you know, vaccination passports and whatnot is being layered into an economic argument? I'll show you why. Ha- keep listening.
6: You're again going to be relying on, you know, privileging. People of a certain socioeconomic status against others who will be disadvantaged if they can't get back out into the
1: workplace. Now you might think that this is a fan this is fantastic. Finally, somebody is against, you know, restricting freedom for people who don't take a vaccine because maybe their reasoning uh you might say, well, racism, blah, blah, blah. But hey, at least somebody's standing against it, right? But that's where you're wrong. That's where you're wrong. Because it doesn't stop there. See, to us and to you, you think that if this program promotes inequality with minorities and, you know, socio people of lower socioeconomic standing, then the program must not be rolled out, but that's not what they think. They think the program does put people of a lower socioeconomic standing at a disadvantage which is why we need to completely rethink global economics, right? Which is why we need to retool capitalism so everybody can be fit into this system. It doesn't... you, We normal people operate the other way. We come at this from the position of, okay, if it doesn't work for everybody, then they're not going to do it. But that's not the way they come at it. They come up with a system and then try and squeeze everybody into it. And if that means tearing down, you know, finance, if that means destroying capitalism, if that means, you know, socialism for all, then so be it, because it's about protecting people. (coughs) If that means rethinking the global economic order, then so be it. Because we need people to fit into this new system. Exactly. Marcus Flembrain, thus creating a fairer world. Exactly. Now you're seeing how all of these things link together. Have a look at this video. Now, this is also from the World Economic Forum. And on the screen, it says six leaders discuss why we must reform the social contract after COVID-19. Now, if you don't know what the social contract is, that's, that's fine. Let me explain it to you. The social contract in political philosophy, which is very boring to most people, I understand, but the social contract describes a concept known in political ph- uh, philosophy, that being the arrangement between the governed and the governors. And, you know, boiled down to be very quick and very short about it, It describes what freedoms people are willing to give up in exchange for protection, right? That's what's what's known as the social contract. Like, I will be part of this society in exchange for taking this, this, and this from me. I expect X, Y, and Z from you, the ruler, right? That's generally what it means. That's generally what it refers to. And it's got its roots in Hobbesian political theory and stuff. I don't want to get too wonky on it, but you can again, you can read all up up on all of this yourself. You know, the idea that society is a, a war of all against all, and without without laws, without a social contract, we would be stuck in a you know a primitive Mad Max style uh, dystopia. That's basically what it boils down to, right? So the social contract now must be reformed, but. That's one way of – that's only just grazing the surface because when we talk about the social contract, we're talking about a lot of things. We're talking about primarily individual freedom. What individual freedoms should be allowed and which individual freedoms should you give up to the government in exchange for safety, in exchange for protection, in exchange for not living in a Mad Max style dystopia, right? So when they talk about reforming the social contract, in layman speak, they're actually talking about reforming the idea of individual freedom. Right? So now that you know that, have a listen to this from the World Economic Forum, ladies and gentlemen. says on the screen, how a great reset should create fairer jobs for billions of people. First of all, we have to have the... Look who it is, Mr. John Kerry. What a surprise. Hi, John. Hi, John. What What a surprise that John Kerry would be there touting the Great Reset, the Great Economic Reset, providing a, fair, a more fair and just society for all. Isn't it wonderful? Remember, what we want to do is restrict people's travel unless they sign up to various... You know, Unless people are willing to give up a certain amount of their freedom, we're not going to let them travel, we're not going to let them go out, we're not going to let them get employment. This is coming. And then you might say, but sir, but Mr Kerry, what about all the poor people? What about the minorities? What about the economically disadvantaged? We can't have a system that rewards people with more freedoms if they're willing to go along with uh, handing over Privacy and and personal liberties. That's okay. We'll just destroy the system so we can put everybody on a level playing field. <laughs> huh? You see how this? Do you see how this works? Do you see where we're headed? Let's carry on.
5: Definition of reset correctly. Uh, how are we going to reset, reset? Cannot mean we can't think of it in terms of sort of pushing a button and we're going back to the way things were. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Most, most prominently that we're a long way off from being able to go back to any kind of normal. And the normal was a crisis.
1: The normal before this was a crisis. Thank you for coming.
5: I'll see you in hell.
1: Normal was a crisis. Normal was bad. Normal was no good. We can't go back to normal. Normal was awful. Oh, yeah.
5: The normal was itself not working. But what we never did in those responses, and in all of the periods since World War II, is adequately address the social contract, the enfranchisement of human beings around the world to be able to participate in a world that they, because of smartphones, can now see everywhere, but not participate in. That is a recipe for revolution, for anarchy.
1: Yes. Tying in the protests to the Great Reset, ladies and gentlemen. They are shameless. Shameless opportunists. Quote, In the US, anger about centuries of racial injustice has led to weeks of protest. Do you, see, do you see what's happening here? Do you see how all roads lead back to this? Hey, if you want to be protected from the coronavirus, if you want to be protected from the global pandemic, if you want racial justice, if you want access to the new economy, if you want to re rework the social contract then go along with this. Otherwise, you're going to have death, you're going to have chaos, you're going to have anarchy. Unless you do what we tell you, your society is going to fall apart. That's the messaging here.
3: What you're seeing in the United States is a past do notice the unpaid debts owed to black Americans for the last
1: 401 years. You might be wondering why reparations is being discussed in a video apparently about COVID-19. And hey, I feel for you. I bet a lot of people are sitting there wondering, hang on, why are they talking about reparations in a video which is supposedly talking about how they're going to protect us from COVID-19? Because it's all part of the same deal. That's why. COVID-19 is the vehicle. Because COVID-19, although awful and a lot of people have died, the only way that we're going to address the pandemic is with the Great Reset, the Great Global Reset from the World Economic Forum. We have to put everybody on a level playing field to make sure that this never happens again. We have to destroy global, you know, we have to destroy capitalism, we have to smash it, and all of its inequalities to make sure that everybody can be happy, healthy, and safe.
3: This is... Policing always is the spark. Public safety is always just the...
1: This guy comes from an organisation called, this, believe it or not, in, in very Orwellian flavour, he is the president of the Centre for Policing Equity.
3: policing always is the spark. Public safety is always just the spark. So if we restrict the conversation right now just to a conversation about how we reform or even reimagine public safety, we've missed the full scope of the moment. We're in a moment where it's possible for all of us to look at the debts, to do a full accounting for what is owed and start to do something that's proportional to that. The ways in which we enforce inequality with state violence, that's a global issue. And for folks who are leaders of corporates, you can drive that. You are in a position to demand that the, the countries where you do business have an accounting for the ways in which they've stolen labor to amass wealth. That doesn't need to be seen as activist or controversial. When you do an injury, you have to pay a debt. When a company doesn't <laughs> pay its debt, it goes into foreclosure. We understand this among people who have things, it's just there's so many people who don't who don't have a political voice and certainly don't have a corporate voice that they can't raise it to demand the things that all of the rest of us would require of a functioning society.
1: The new normal, ladies and gentlemen, means so much more than just having to stand on a mark to get your food. The new normal means so much more than just having to wear a mask. The new normal means so much more than, you know, ordering Uber Eats more than you used to. The new normal means reforming the social contract, reimagining what individual freedom means in a Western society. Thus, the removal of certain freedoms. The new normal means a global economic reset. redistribution of wealth from the haves to the have-nots. The new normal means complete violations of individual freedoms unless you sign up to things that you would otherwise not sign up to, such as vaccines and whatnot. The new normal means the idea of freedom itself needs to be reimagined so much to the point where even your most personal, private, Health information needs to be poured over and passed around just in order for you to get a job in the first place. And like I said, if you think that... You you may think that, hey, I can go without international travel. Fuck that. I can go without driving a bus. Fuck that. I can go without going to the supermarket. Sure, they're going to want to scan my digital vaccination evidence when I go to the supermarket and the restaurant but I can go without that as long as I have my job and then the insurance companies will say to your employer if you don't insure if you don't put into practice the digital health passport checking system if you don't ensure that everybody at your workplace is vaccinated then we're going to have to raise premiums on you and you will go broke. And if you don't like that reality, don't worry. There's going to be thousands of other assholes just waiting around the corner to take your job if you don't want it. That's the new normal. And we stand right at the beginning of this journey with the health passport, which was first funded two years ago by the Rockefeller Foundation, Rolled out by private industry in conjunction with unelected international bureaucratic bodies. The groundwork was laid over six months ago in the corporate media, prepping you, preparing you, programming you for this new reality, for the new normal. And now the governments of the UK and Australia are rolling it out today as we speak. So, much to look forward to. With that, I'm gonna take a quick five minute break here. Sorry I went a little over for that first segment, but so much there needs to be put out. Um, we're gonna take a quick little five minute break. I'm gonna refresh my drink, visit the little boys' room, and when we return, I've got so much more for you. I don't even I don't even know what we're gonna cover in the second half of the show. So it'll be a surprise for you and a surprise for me. So stick around. You're on the Monday you're here on the Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. See you soon.
2: Oh,
3: I I hope your next hat is a bullet. Jesus <laughs> Christ! What are you fucking Asian Dick Tracy? <laughs> Why you. You have to ruin my evening. Like I was just gonna just listen, you know listen to my bud do their show, and you, you gotta you just gotta do this the <laughs> hat. So you're not enjoying it? No. <laughs> Dude, Asian Oh, uh, well, secretly enjoy it. You look no. like you're going undercover in, in Argentina, but it's now working. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. Oh, come on, you secretly love it.
1: No, no, I
7: openly hate it.
3: <laughs> and there you have it. Uh, so... as you can tell, I, I seem to have a problem with commitment to one type of platform. I, I think doctors refer to that as uh, ADD. Uh, but anyways, if you want to follow any of those shows, you want to catch me live every single day of the week, you can follow me at Real Person Politics. That's Real Person, P-L-T-C-S. Aloha. I wish I could. Oh, no, there ain't no rest for the wicked.
8: Until we close our eyes
5: for good. Enjoying my good self, UK Neil, over at DLive for the Great Awakening Show. That's over on DLive at DLive.tv. Get yourself out of that matrix and get over to the Great Awakening.
7: This Justin, the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported.
0: More Sometimes right this world can get you down. There's just one thing you can do. You gotta get back up and shake your all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie it. Come on, everybody, buddy, you tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie Come on, everybody boogie bopper tonight No one's gonna tell me how to
1: boogie Come on, everybody boogie bopper tonight Coming back Second half of the show Ladies and gentlemen Boys and girls Thank you so much for joining us On this Monday night edition Of the Daily Boogie podcast So much more to get through So little time I understand that the beginning of the show was probably a little heavy for some, but that's all right. Let me let me bring you back. Let me bring you right back to the bosom uh, with some, a little bit more lightheartedness. And maybe, maybe we can give you some hope for the future as well. Who knows? Who's to say? Because luckily for us, there are blue check marks. There are intelligent people. There are thought leaders. There are influencers. There are journalists. There are politicians. There are bureaucrats. There are experts. There are scientists. There are community activists, there are leaders all around us who have only your best interests at heart, ladies and gentlemen. And in these times of darkness and chaos and what looks to be a looming grim horizon rolling ever closer day by day, hour by hour, and year by year, we can turn to these experts and we can turn to these people that uh, we have entrusted with guiding us through these dark and troubled waters Uh, we can turn to them for reassurance that everything is going to work out, everything's going to be okay, and we'll never have to do all this ever again. So let me present to you, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Reich. (laughs) Robert Reich. Now, who is Robert Reich? He's a Berkeley professor, former Secretary of Labor. He's the co-founder of Inequality Media. Okay, Robert Reich. Robert Reich. Just incidentally, I wonder if Robert Reich pronounces his name as Robert Reich, or if he's somebody who, knowing full well that his name is synonymous with a particular political movement in the 20th century, one that he probably doesn't want it to be synonymous with, I wonder if he insists that people pronounce his name differently. (laughs) Like, my thoughts go to there's an old, old... British TV show called Keeping Up Appearances and the matriarch of this show is a woman named Mrs Bucket spelt B-U-C-K-E-T but of course she pronounces it Bouquet <laughs> I'm Mrs Bouquet so I wonder if Robert Reich you know when he's called on and he says uh, is Robert Reich your coffee is ready He's it's actually pronounced Robert Rich Yeah, I'm Robert Rich I'm not Reich I'm Rich I'm, they call me Richie Rich. <laughs> right? <laughs> they call me Robert Richie Richardson. Because it's not Reich. It's definitely not Reich. It's Rich. But anyway, Robert Reich. Quote, he put this out on Twitter. This is utterly fantastic. When this nightmare is over, we need a truth and reconciliation commission. It would erase Trump's lies comfort those who have been harmed by his hatefulness, and name every official, politician, executive, and media mogul whose greed and cowardice enabled this catastrophe. Yes, literally a witch hunt. Literally 1984. This is how freedom dies, ladies and gentlemen. This is how freedom comes to a shuddering halt. And then, of course, when he was responded to by many, many well-natured people who said, actually, this is something that happens in military dictatorships. You know, hunting down your political opponents and exposing them and taking them out of positions of power because they disagree on how a country should be run. That's something that happens in the most dystopian, nightmarish regimes around the world. He doubled down, as people like Robert Reich always do. <clears throat> and he said, I love the people responding to this tweet as if it's a radical, undemocratic idea. And then he put up something with Robert Mugabe and Nelson Mandela. Who, as we know, especially in the case of Robert Mugabe, <laughs> not, not, not a radical in any way, shape or form. And then we must ensure that this can never happen again. Expand SCOTUS, abolish the Electoral College, grant statehood to D.C. and Puerto Rico. These people have no historical understanding of the things they want whatsoever. The damage the GOP enablers have done to our republic is unconscionable. No forgiveness or reconciliation. They must be remembered in not only 2020, but in 2022 and 2024. Legitimate investigations, not witch hunts, should also be held with accountability for violations of the law. How about a Truth and Consequences Commission instead? At the very least, there need to be a lot of people banned from government service for life. Liberals, ladies and gentlemen, liberal, people who call themselves liberals now want people banned from government service because they disagree with them, including all federal LEOs who committed crimes or abused authorities because they thought the admin would cover for them. Robert Reich, ladies and gentlemen. They love their commissions, don't they? They love their commissions and their boards to deal out justice as they see fit. All right. Let's have a change of theme here. Maybe maybe this is what we can... uh, Maybe this kind of thing is what we can be guaranteed to see in the future if we do get the... What is it? The Truth and Reconciliation Commissions up and running. We're already doing it one way or another. Have a look at this.
8: Of all the questions to come from last night's town hall with President Trump, one of the big ones was who is the woman nodding behind Trump? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Yes. Of all the questions to come out of the town hall, who is the woman who in the crowd who appears to be agreeing with him? We need to find her. We need to find out more about her. Jim n nodding is white supremacy. <laughs> Do you see the lengths they'll go to? Because exactly, you can't have that on television. You cannot have that on television. Somebody agreeing with the president. This is one of the most important things that we need to discuss here. Lady of Diamonds Gypsy in the chat asking, did they dox her? Of course they did.
8: The overly agreeable woman immediately garnered-
1: Overly agreeable. (laughs) The lady doth doesn't protest too much. The lady doth protest not enough. (laughs) She's overly agreeable. Scary, huh? I bet you thought that it would just end with people wearing a red hat. You know what I mean? Hey, we saw somebody with a red hat. We need to find out who this red hat person is. We need to make an example out of them because it's all about, you know, watering down support, isn't it? We need to make the idea of supporting Donald Trump publicly so terrifying that you would never, ever do it. Right, These people are dangerous, unhinged, ideological lunatics. They have, they have no uh, hesitations in asking for truth and reconciliation commissions, which would go around and witch hunt any supporters of their opponents and drag them out into the street and make an example out of them. Name and shame. You know, when you see these people in the gas station and the restaurant, you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome here. Remember that? Remember that? They meant it. It wasn't just rhetoric. They mean it. And yes, a woman nodding on TV behind the president. That's enough to get the CNN newsroom word into action.
8: Who is the woman nodding Ring behind Trump? Ring the bell Trump. and
1: get your cheese, man. Thank you for the subtype.
8: The overly agreeable woman immediately garnered Internet fame, and she has been identified as immigration attorney Mayra Jolie. As the president was questioned on a range of topics, Jolie could be seen nodding as Trump answered. Despite the town hall event being billed as an audience of undecided voters, Jolie is actually a Trump supporter who ran for Congress as a pro-Trump candidate in 2018. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and look, she's so proud of herself, isn't she? <laughs> look at the look at the look of satisfaction on her face. We got her. We got her. It's like she's just found a terrorist living in a fucking rat hole in the desert somewhere. We've after all these years, we found her. We found the immigration attorney who was nodding behind the president. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Enwood, as opposed to Obama staff at the Biden Town Hall? Exactly.
8: <laughs> Alex Dougherty is joining me now. He is the Washington correspondent for the Miami Herald, and he tracked down the nodding woman who everyone wanted to know uh, he her identity.
1: So tell He u- tracked down the nodding woman that everyone wanted to know her identity. Plus
8: what you found out about her. Just, you know, tell us who she is.
7: Yeah, so Myra Jolie is a former congressional candidate uh, and well-known pro-Trump activist in local circles in Miami.
1: Well-known pro-Trump activist. (laughs) They really are shameless. They are shameless and pathetic. (laughs) We need to make an example out of this woman.
7: Uh, I actually picked her out because I saw the... Pictures and and videos just like everyone else was while covering the debate or covering the town hall. And, uh, you know, notice that a
1: lot- Really? You picked her out from that grainy, hazy footage there? Wow, this guy's got skills. No, I was just watching the coverage and I noticed that this blurry image behind the president, I was able to recognize her.
7: A lot of her mannerisms look similar, uh, having written about her and, and-
1: Her mannerisms look similar. Of course, of course, of course, of course. It would be conspiratorial and wrong to suggest that the organisers of the town hall, that being NBC, who kept a record of everybody's name who was in that room for the purpose of contact tracing, it would be ridiculous to suggest that the organisers of this town hall having noticed the woman nodding behind the president would leak out her name and personal information to some local reporter from Miami in order to get the story out there so she can be uncovered, right? That would be a silly thing to suggest. Silly. That's, that's conspiracy talk. What's really happened here is this guy is so he's he's so much of a modern day Sherlock fucking Holmes. He was able to look at this blurry image and tell from the way that she's nodding that it must be the person he's thinking of. Cuz that's how good he is. He's a fucking super detective who just happens to be working at a local newspaper. Let's call him Clark Kent. He's Superman. Yeah, I was able to tell from her mannerisms uh, that this is somebody that I know. And it definitely, definitely, definitely didn't come from somebody from NBC leaking out her name and information, which they are required to get before something like this. That, that didn't happen. That would be crazy.
7: I covered her and, and talked to her in the past. Uh-huh. And so I, I just went to her social media pages and and she was already posting live videos of her conversations with the president shortly <laughs> after the town hall to kind of confirm... That it was her, uh, and you know she's a really enthusiastic Trump supporter. Um, you know, ran for Congress two years ago. She's
1: a really enthusiastic Trump supporter, and she must be hunted down and made an example of. And, you know, and you know, sinister Charlie in the chat says, "What a weasel." That's that's something worth mentioning as well. These are the people who intimidate everybody. These sniveling weaselly. Whining, moaning little snakes. The little tattletales. These are not good people.
7: As an independent, but as a pro-Trump independent, uh, and and still is.
1: <laughs> she ran as an independent, but a pro-Trump independent. <laughs> We've, we've said half a dozen times that she's a pro-Trump activist. She's pro-Trump. She loves Trump. She ran for Congress. She's a big Trump supporter, pro-Trump activist. And then right at the end, we slip in, she ran as an independent. Remember what the woman uh, on CNN said at the start? This was supposed to be a forum for independent undecided voters. <laughs> she literally ran as an independent. Not good enough. She's a pro-Trump independent. That's what she is. <laughs>
7: A presence uh in local circles in miami uh huh
8: so you you mentioned that what she posted online is actually what confirmed it to you this is actually a video of the interaction that she posted
4: you are the best you are You're the best, best.
1: Are from? i'm from i'm from dominican republic dominican
4: but republic. I'm american i'm an american oh yes and i'm the
7: from, brazilian
1: and the... look at the patient look and this isn't about you know uh sucking trump's ass here but this is, this is something I noticed when I was watching this clip before. Look at the patience and the way he talks to this very loud woman on the red carpet. <laughs> Ordinary politicians would stroll right past you. They would not take the 30 seconds it takes to have a little conversation with you, have a little chat. They would pretend like you aren't there. They would be flanked by their people, by their posse. Right? Where is where's his flanking here? Where are the people telling him, Sir, you need to do this. Sir, you need to sign this. Sir, you need to read this. Sir, you need to go here. Sir, you need to talk to this person. Where are they? Where are they? I mean, for all of his downsides, and you can have many complaints about the guy, you know, like we spoke about last week, people refuse to see why ordinary people like him. This is one of those reasons. He's just out there on his own talking to average people, <laughs> talking to normal people out the front of NBC. Jim Enwood, where are the Secret Service? Normal politicians will stroll right past as if you aren't even there.
4: I'm American. I'm in America. Look,
1: he he, he starts talking to her about fucking baseball.
4: American. Oh, yes. I'm Brazilian. Hey, Sammy Sosa. Sammy
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sosa. You know, Sammy Sosa, he's a friend of mine. He's one of yours, isn't he? You know, I love that Sammy Sosa. You know, he's one of my guys. I know Sammy. (laughs) This is great. What's this?
4: American. Oh yeah. I'm Brazilian. And the brand.
7: Hey, Sammy Sosa. Sammy, Sammy Sosa. He endorsed.
1: Me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but that little that little action, the little baseball swing. When I was watching this, I fucking had tears in my eyes. I don't know why I found that so funny. He's like, yeah, Sammy Sosa. He's a great guy, hell of a guy. And then he does like the little action, like he's swinging for a home run. <laughs>
4: Oh, yes. and a Brazilian. Brazilian. oh, yeah. I'm Brazilian. Hey, Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa, he endorsed <laughs> me. Mr. President, I was running. I was running. I was running for Congress. And he endorsed Sammy me. Sammy will adore you. He's a good guy. You. guy. A good say guy. You. I will. I will.
1: You say, hello. you say hello to him, okay? And you know what? People have spent like the last four years saying that, you know, Trump's inaccessible. People can't give honest analysis now because it's way too partisan. There's no objectivity anymore. The benefit of hindsight, I think, will show for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, Jim Edward, what a guy, hell of a guy. I think the benefit of hindsight will show a lot of people once, you know, we get past all this. If we ever get past all this, who's to say? But in the future, I think looking back, People will say that he was arguably the most accessible president of all time. Because of shit like this. Shit that you cannot show right now. They are only showing this on CNN. This is how stupid they are, by the way. This is how ridiculously dumb they are. They are showing this on CNN because they think that it will prove that the nodding woman behind Trump is actually a partisan plant instead of what it really shows, that being that this president is not flanked by his handlers, that he's actually just up there talking with people about fucking Sammy Sosa and baseball, like a normal person. Because that's how far removed they are from reality. That's how detached they are from reality. All right. Speaking of being detached from reality, this might be the last item for tonight. Thank you for joining us here on the Daily Boogie podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is utterly fantastic. I was so excited when I came across this uh, yesterday. I couldn't wait to bring it to you because I knew that you were going to love it. This is an opinion piece. Violence, homophobia, and misogyny, the core tenets of America's Lost Boys. Are you a lost boy? The reason I like this, because I, myself, like so many of you, somebody said it earlier in the chat tonight, can we just go back to the 1990s, right? I've said it myself. Uh, why can't we just, the 90s was so much more uh, relaxed. It was laid back. I tend to think that 2001 was when the West lost its innocence. Right? The 1990s were so much better. It's not just nostalgia. It was a different time. Well, not in the opinion of this author. In the opinion of this author, the 1990s literally gave birth to white supremacist terrorism. I'm not joking. (laughs) This is so good. You are going to love this. Modern America's domestic terrorists were boys in the hypersexual, uber-violent, misogynist final throes of the 1990s hypersexual Put your hand up in the chat if you think the 90s were more sexual than the current day or less sexual I mean wasn't there just a scandal about the a movie or a series being on Netflix about the hypersexualization of fucking children Are we trying to say that the 90s was more sexual <laughs> Oh dear. Everybody's less, 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 exactly less. Not in the minds of some. (laughs) Now seems like a good time to look under the hood of masculine rage here in the United States. Boys, you're Caucasian, you're male, you're healthy. Compared to the vast majority on the planet, you're privileged, pampered, well fed, swimming in a warm bath of super abundance. This is you, that we're speaking specifically to the white males here in the audience. <laughs> this, this this author is describing your experience as a white male. Okay. You're Caucasian, you're male, <clears throat> you're healthy. Compared to the vast majority on the planet, you're privileged, pampered, well-fed, swimming in a warm bath of super abundance. Let's get this straight. You're furious. You feel hard done by. If it weren't for grown men swaggering around the streets clad in combat gear toting assault rifles, this would be laughable. Because apparently, in the mind of this author, every single white male in the West, every single white male on earth is a fucking millionaire doing just just doing superbly well. <laughs> you've got everything you could hope for. <laughs> Just recently, <clears throat> pardon me, pardon me 13, 13 of these charming brutes were arrested trying to cook up a plot to kidnap, even kill the female governor of Michigan. One showed up in Kenosha, Wisconsin and killed two BLM protesters All this to the adolescent cheerleading of the President of the United States, the country's commander-in-chief, the one who wanted his generals to provide him with a North Korea-style parade, complete with tanks and missiles, he of the nuclear codes. What's telling in that litany isn't the commander-in-chief or the generals or the tanks or the nuclear-tipped missiles, it's that adolescent tag. As a stage in human development, adolescence has a dodgy reputation. It's associated with an onrushing hormonal storm leading to everything from barely controllable though understandable sexual urges, to bad skin, to wild mood swings, to sudden and extreme personality morphologies. In boys, it can be a time of untamed aggression and attraction to violence. Even aimless violence. Ben K. Veritas with the diamond. May I ask what shade of skin this author is? No, you cannot, Ben. That would be a microaggression. Sorry. Can somebody please ban Ben for being a racist? (laughs) Of course you can't ask. What a horrible, horrible thought. You know how this works. (laughs) It can be a time of untamed aggression and attraction to violence, even aimless violence. Violence that requires no uh, causal spark. Adolescence is also an age where adult models become hyper important. What is admired and aped in adolescence can often carry on through life. A generation of American men took cues from the iconic personas of John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. The solid, stolid, stoic and silent individualists who, sure, could fall into easy violence, but always and only in response to a threat. They were the protectors and defenders, their aggressions well-bounded and contained by a strong ethic, a personal code of honour. The 13 Boogaloo boys that threatened the governors of Michigan and Virginia were all between the ages of 30 and 45. Oh dear, I'm right smack bang in the middle of that demographic. Oh no. Oh, no. Am I a white male terrorist? <laughs> <coughs> this is also the predominant demographic cohort for the other major white nationalist cults, the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, the Three Percenters. The FBI has just identifies these, identified these groups as the greatest single terrorist threat now facing the country. The men in these groups came of age in the 1990s. This this is the piece de resistance of this piece. <laughs> this is the cherry on top. The men in these groups came of age in the 1990s where the teenage touchstones of male modelling had moved on from Wayne and Eastwood. They'd been reimagined and replaced by pro wrestling, sexist, homophobic gangster rap and fight club. <laughs> Yes! Now, I've got to put my hand up and admit, growing up, Fight Club was one of my most favourite... It still is one of my most favourite movies and book. The book is just as fantastic. Here we go. I can see... I can see why this would be so problematic to this author... Why this author thinks white male terrorism is born out of Fight Club, ladies and gentlemen. Because have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Uh, by the way, Fight Club, written by one of the greatest authors, living authors of all time, uh, Chuck Palachuk, who is a gay man. <laughs> He's a gay Jew, I think. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's obviously the tome of... Of the white nationalist Uber terrorists, ladies and gentlemen. But have a look at some of these dangerous thoughts that are present in Fight Club.
8: If you could fight anyone, who would you fight? Fight my boss, probably.
1: Really?
5: Yeah, why? Who would you fight? Fight my dad. I don't know my dad. I mean, I know him, but he left when I was like six years old, married this other woman, had some other kids. He, like, did this every six years. He goes to a new city and starts a new family. Fuck, like setting up franchises. My dad never went to college, so it's real important that I go. That sounds familiar. So I graduate, I call him up long distance, I say, Dad, now what? He says, get a job. Same here. Now I'm 25, make my yearly call again, say, Dad, now what? He says, I don't know, get married. God, I mean, you can't get married. I'm a 30-year-old boy. We're a generation of men raised by women. I'm wondering if another woman is really the answer we need.
1: We're a generation of men raised by women. I'm wondering if another woman is really the answer we need. Because what is so common in all of these things here where they talk about the dangers of toxic masculinity and stuff, what's evidently true is they just want men to be more like women. Men need to talk about their feelings more. Men need to be more empathetic. Men need to display their feminine traits. They need to cry more often. They need to talk about their problems more often. They need to talk about their fucking feelings more often, right? It's not just about masculinity. It's about changing what masculinity means into something that more resembles femininity. You know, we did the story last week on Friday... Men with deep voices apparently are more likely to cheat. But the the article also, you know, the science also says that men with deep voices are more likely to attract, quote, higher quality women. (laughs) (laughs) Which is awful. Awful for feminism. The men in these groups came of age in the 1990s where the teenage touchstones, I'm just going to, you know, rehash, of male modelling had moved on from Wayne and Eastwood. They'd been reimagined and replaced by pro-wrestling, sexist, homophobic, gangster rap and fight club. Uh, Here's a little bit of footage apparently from pro-wrestling in the 1990s. (laughs) That's not what you said. Bark like a dog. Come on. Tell me you're sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of (laughs) hot. Sorry. It seems, it seems I'm just a child of the 1990s. Trish Stratus, on your knees, bark like a dog. <laughs> not going to lie, it's fuck... It's, it's sexy as fuck.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's not what you said. Bark like a dog, come on. Tell me you're sorry.
2: Oh,
1: oh, oh. <laughs> Great clip, Joyce, from the author. The article continues. Here, masculine violence is acted out in a near vacuum, unmoored except as show performance a substitute for the harder work of meaning. It's a method not to gain or defend, but fill a void in an increasingly pointless and materially oversaturated culture, which is exactly the point that fucking Fight Club makes if this idiot writing this piece took the time to actually understand the message of Fight Club. He's actually agreeing with what... He's actually agreeing with Fight Club and he doesn't even fucking realise it. That's how dumb this idiot is. The violence, homophobia and misogyny are the explosions of a fantasy life that is empty at its core. There is no ethic, no, under, uh, uh, no identifiable code. The one thing that could be said in its defence is that it may be more a reflection of fear than rage. They're always telling you how afraid you are all the time, aren't they? And what about this man, a successful New York investment whiz, one obsessed with brands and branding, handsome, rich, a visceral hater of losers, associated with strings of beautiful women, women, seemingly has it all, but a man known to be hyper-aggrieved and hyper-aggressive, paranoid in his lust for power, money and celebrity. That's not a description of President Donald J. Trump, by the way. That's a Wikipedia description of Patrick Bateman, the narrator main character and protagonist of American Psycho. We model what we see, ladies and gentlemen. So there you have it. (laughs) The white male movement, the white male terrorists, the awful, misogynistic, homophobic, racist, white nationalists of today, ladies and gentlemen, learnt their trade by watching WWF World Championship wrestler. They watch watching professional wrestling in the 1990s and Fight Club. (laughs) That's not what you said. Bark like a dog. Come on. Tell me you're sorry.
2: (laughs) Oh,
1: all right. (laughs) There you have it. With that, ladies and gentlemen... That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll be back on Wednesday night with another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Thank you to everybody who contributed tonight on DLive and Streamlabs. Thank you so much. Don't forget to follow our friends coming up right after me. You've got both Coffee Talk with Sandra and The Great Irrational Times. And then I assume everybody's favourite lover of French women at 10pm. Don't forget The Great JJ Stoner, Joy of Pessy, Frozen Asian, Iceman4433, TV. Why Censored, who's going to be joined by uh, the big empty Major Tom and Joy of Pessy on her channel on Thursday night to do a movie riff. So that'll be fun. So do follow all of our friends, Chamani, UK Neil as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Until Wednesday night, ladies and gentlemen, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.